a word of encouragement. A king, medieval king, attended public execution in the center of the village, as they used to do. Um, this criminal has offended the king big time, uh, so the king decided to attend the execution himself. The executioner was ready, the criminal was brought in the public place, the, uh, the village square, and uh, the people were cheering uh, loudly. And uh, the king asked this man, what is your last wish before you are executed? And the man looked at the king and said, can I have a glass of water, please? And the king said, okay, water. So they brought him a glass of water. He was shaking, fear of death. When you don't have Jesus, death is horrendous. You fear. If you've got Jesus, you know it's a transition, relocation. You, you can handle it differently. So this guy was shaking big time. He couldn't drink. He was shaking big time. And the king told him, look, your life is secure as long as you have not drunk that water in that glass. Oh, you are safe until you finish drinking. Then the execution will take place. And everybody was looking at him. He was still shaking. Suddenly, the guy looked at the king. And the king nodded. I mean it. Looked at the glass of water. I'm 30. I've got a glass of water. And the king continued to nod. Yes. Suddenly, a smile started appearing on his face. People are going, he's mad. He was shaking in fear. What's changing? He looks at the king. The king also smiles back and says, I mean it. You need to drink that water. Until you drink it. And the guy lifted the glass and poured, it, poured the water on the ground. And the king nodded. You've trusted me. You are a free man. You've trusted my will. You've taken me at my word. You are a free man. And that guy lived. The execution was cancelled. Because he trusted the king. Let's read in the Bible where we can find a similar story. John 4. John 4 is, is known about the Jesus encounter with the Samaritan woman. But let's read further down. Let's start verse 43. John 4, 43. After the two days, Jesus left for Galilee. Now, Jesus himself had pointed out that a prophet has no honor in his own country. When he arrived in Galilee, the Galilean welcomed him. They had seen all that he has done in Jerusalem at the Passover festival, for they also had been there. Once more, he visited Canaan in Galilee, where he had turned wine, uh, water into wine. And there was a certain royal official whose son lay ill at Capernaum. When this man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went to him and begged him to come and heal his son who was close to death. Unless you people see signs and wonders, Jesus told him, you will never believe. The royal official said, sir, come down before my child dies. 
Go, Jesus replied, your son will live. And listen to the key sentence. The man took Jesus at his word and departed. The man took Jesus at his word and departed. While he was still on the way, his servants met him with the news that his boy was living. When he inquired as to the time when his son got better, they said to him, yesterday at one in the afternoon, the fever left him. Could be sepsis. Put him to the doctor in heat. A fever that's killing you must be sepsis. Or bad COVID. <laughs> then the father realized that this was the exact time at which Jesus had said to him, your son will live. So he and his whole household believed. Amen? Amen. Taking Jesus at his word. And the Bible is full of this kind of stories where people have taken Jesus at his word. We can look at Luke 5, 5, when Peter, before he became a disciple, when Jesus was calling him, Jesus asked him, have you got any fish? No. Throw your net in the right-hand side. He said, we, we, we've done all night long. We've, we've tried. We're seasoned fishermen. We didn't catch anything. But because you said so. Because you said so. So I trust your word. I'm going to do it on your word. And another time, Jesus is walking on the water, and the disciples are fearful, and he said, it is I. Don't, don't be afraid. It's, it's, it's me. Peter says, if it's you, tell me to walk on water. Jesus said, C-O-M-E. C-O-M-E. Come. And G, uh, Peter took Jesus at his word, got out of the boat, as a human being, as a fisherman, he knows water. There's only one thing that happens in water. You go down, you sink. But he got out and walked for a while until the human stuff came back big time and uh, he started sinking. But taking Jesus at his word did a miracle. Luke 17, 14, we've got the ten lepers. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on us. Master, help us. Jesus said to them, go, show yourselves to the priest. Go. As they went. So they took Jesus at his word. So it's important to take Jesus at his word. The word of God. Full of instructional promises. Do we take it seriously? Like our persecuted brothers and sisters. They take Jesus so seriously. That no matter what you throw at them. They stand strong. And if you want to spell it differently. Taking Jesus at his word. is spelled F-A-I-T-H. Faith. That's what it means. I've told you this story. My father found himself in a rebellion time in the 1960s in a small shed with a colleague, soldier. He was a nurse in the army. And um, the, the nuns in the nunnery has, I'm going to shorten the story, uh, they hid them in this shed in the garden, in the nunnery, and they were feeding them at night, actually feeding them in wheelbarrow full of rubbish, and they would throw it in the rubbish, they pack sandwiches, sardines, and things for them to come slowly at night, look for what the sandwiches, and go back. 
And unfortunately, one day, the other guy was so angry, I tried to reach for a mango. And the watchman noticed the movement, told the rebels. So one of the rebels drove like mad at night and told her cousin, his cousin was a nun. Tomorrow, we've made a plan. We're coming to inspect this place. If you've got government soldiers here, get rid of them. I don't want to know. Don't tell me nothing. Just get rid of them. If we come, we find any soldiers here, we kill them. We kill all of you nuns as well. So they came trembling, telling my, my dad and his friend, get out. They know you're here. They're coming to inspect this place. Now, my dad knew John 10, 28. If God is holding us in his hand, no one can snatch us from his hand. And he decided to take God at his word. He told the other guy, he was trembling and think of his wife because the entire town was infested with rebels. And he said, they will come, yes, they won't find us. So what do you mean? There's only one shed here. If they come in this place, the only place to look for us will be here. So yes, they will come, they won't find us. We're not going to move. Remember what I told you before, he reminded me another experience where God has been amazing to them. And the guy calmed down. The next day, they could see through the keyhole rebel soldiers wandering in the garden. None of them touched the door of that shed until they left. And a few days later, they had to tell the nun that they were there because there was no food, because of hunger. They had to manage when the nun were coming to throw the uh, proper rubbish. They made a noise. Did you go and come back? I said, no, we were here that day. Wow. And they took them to prevent the ceiling for six months until they were rescued. Yeah. So, trusting God means we understand that his ways are way above ours. His understanding of situations better than ours. He's a good father. He loves us to bits. He wants what is good for us. And then we can trust him. I remember when Jarrah showed us the video of the voice. Remember that? Vo the voice. In the storm. Oh, yeah. Go watch it again. Forsake all other voices. Just listen to my voice. I mean good for you. And you need to trust that that person is good for you. Can you show that picture of Howard Infirmary, please? If you can find it. So, now, this is our hospital. You, you all, most of you are familiar with that hospital. Some of you have been there. Okay. Let me see if this thing will work. No, it has gone dead, as expected. It was working a few minutes ago. Okay, my point is not working. So what I want to tell you, this tall building, 13th floor, many people have known it as a 13th floor. I know it as a 15th floor tower block because you've got a penthouse with two more floors. And my office is in the 14th floor. So on top of the building. So when I'm in my office, on top of the building, I can see everything you're seeing here. Okay? Right, next slide. That's what I want to talk about. Good. So the penthouse, oh, I don't know if I can, no, 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 it's not, okay, sorry. It's on top of the building on the right hand side, besides the, the way, after the way, this way, yeah, come, come, no, no, this way, this way, this way, yes, that's the penthouse, that's the penthouse. So if you're up there, you can see this bit of the car park. Now, Annette used to work at Royal Infirmary, my wife, and she's moved now to Castle Hospital. So some days she will start a, an afternoon shift. And if you come at this place in the afternoon to find the car park is a nightmare. 
Anybody has experienced that? Yes, oh, amen. <laughs> so you will be driving in circles for 10, 20 minutes until you see someone leaving, you stalk them, literally. And then I remember one day I just saw a nurse I knew. I said, Natalie, where have you parked? So follow me. I said, no, 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 I'm going to go follow. In my car, let's go together. <laughs> Uh, by the time we got to where she was parked, someone else was in front of me. If, I, if she wasn't in my car, this, this, this spot would have gone. So yes, so Annette will come and she will ring me. And uh, I, told, I will tell her, when you're in a car park, just let me know. So she will be down here, I will be up there. <laughs> and I will tell her, I've, I've spotted you, keep driving straight. <laughs> After the red car, turn left. Do you see that van? Don't worry about the van. After the van, there is a good space there. Keep going. Don't trust your vision. Keep going. Keep going. Yes, you are the van. Pass the van. Can you see it? Yes. Park there. End of the story. <laughs> Trusting God is the same. Yes. Okay? Trusting him. He's got the bird eyes view. He knows the end for the beginning. It declares it, by the way. So he knows. And every single day of your life, my life, is written in his book, including the not-so-good days, including the depressing days. Everything is written. And the end of the story is that, welcome, son, daughter. There is victory at the end. So you can go through this valley of the shadow of death. He will be there. His rod and shaft will be with you. Himself is there. So if we know what he says, we can trust him. We can walk, keep our heads up, trust, keep moving. That's what our persecuted family does. They know God. They know he's good. They know he's got the whole picture. They know that his direction, even if from a human perspective, it is doomed. Yet the final destination is good. Even if someone in the congregation is hurt from there, even killed, they know God is good. Something good will come out of it. And there are a lot of stories about that. And all heroes of faith, they knew that. And Annette and I have, have, have experienced that when we were in South Africa and we had to go back to, 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 to the Congo, our native Congo. Uh, the situation wasn't good. Um, but God was saying, go. So we decided to go. And the situation wasn't good. It got worse. We have to run for our lives. So you told us to go, and now it's so horrible. With young children traumatized. What do you mean, God, that go, I will be with you? But when you continue to trust him, at the end, there is always a turn of event. If he doesn't allow, the, the end for him is always good, no matter what happens. Yeah. If we didn't go through that situation, I wouldn't be standing in front of you today. Wow. Uh, yeah. So the troubles, the pains, the anxiety, the persecution, the suffering, all has been turned into testimony. Yeah. And I can tell you we've been to, could be 20 places throughout the country uh, where we've told our story. And it's a horrible story. But God has turned it into testimony because we've, we've decided to, to trust him. And there are lots of things that God has said that we need to trust him. Um, I'm going to wrap up in a minute. 
We need to trust God when he says he wants us to be holy. We need to trust him yeah. and pursue holiness. This is a time, as Neil was saying, this time God is doing something good, yeah. amazing. But we need to be properly set apart for him to use us and to move. The other thing is forgiveness. Yeah. That's a big thing, forgiveness. He said, if you don't forgive, I don't forgive you. I've been meditating on that. I said, Lord, why don't you qualify? Forgive for small things, for big, for even the big. Yes, 70 times, 70, whatever times, uh, uh, forgive. God, it is hard because we've been through that as well. He wants us to make a decision. He said, Lord, Lord, I can't forgive, but because you said so, I have decided to forgive. Give me the strength. He moves in. He moved in. Okay, last story, then we finish. A pastor is going to preach. He's got a suit on. He's got a nice Bible, bigger than mine. I think it was a leather one, probably. And uh, he's going from one village to another. And suddenly, he sees the cloud getting dark. I've I've told you the story before. And uh, he decides to pray. God, I'm your minister, I'm your son. You know I trust. He was a solid Christian, by the way. I am your servant. Don't let the rain, don't let it rain. Because look at me, I don't have an umbrella. He walked again, and the cloud got darker. Rain was imminent. He dropped his knees and prayed, God, I am your servant. You know, when the prayer gets hard, I'm your servant, God. Stop the rain. I command you, rain, to stop to go away. As a stood, there were no rain but a downpour. So he arrived at the next village, drenched, wet Bible, and gave a half-hearted sermon. And went back home, closed the door, and started talking to God. He said, God, I'm quitting because you don't answer prayers. I don't trust you anymore. I am quitting. And he was so serious that a few minutes later, he heard a bang at the door. And the bang was getting louder. So he went to check three young men with guns. Pastor, pastor, pastor. You opened the door, they went, they came in. Pastor, pastor, pastor. Your God, your God. He answers prayers. So, so, no, 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 you're mistaken. My God does not answer prayer. I've been talking to him. I've quitted, by the way. So, pastor, your God answers prayers because the witches in the village have hired us to kill you. Your prayers are disturbing the occult activities in the village. And they wanted to, they tried the spells and the curses on you. Nothing has worked because you're covered in the blood of Jesus. And they have decided to physically eliminate you. The hires we've been paid to, to kill you. We knew you were going to preach, so we ambushed you. And we are guns, it's, it's an old story, powder guns, ready to kill you. As you came into range... Out of the blue, there was a downpour. All the powder in our guns were wet, and we couldn't. We could see you, and we're powerless. Your God, we saw you, by the way, kneeling and praying. So your God answers prayer. So I don't know what are you going through, what, which rain are you going through, which downpour, uh, which is what you're going through. I want to tell you how God answers prayer. Amen. Pray, pray, 
pray. We heard about uh, Daniel 60 years praying. There's a recent story of someone in Germany, a young lady in Germany, praying for a persecuted church member in Africa for 10 years whose husband has been murdered. She didn't even know that this person was still alive, but she prayed every day for this lady. And then she decided, let me write to open doors in Kenya, find out is she still alive? And the open door worker there was in tears to see the message on the computer. She's been praying, Melanie in Germany, praying for 10 years. And then connected the two. And eventually, this lady whose husband, pastor, was murdered three months after the marriage, got support to go to, 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 to study, became a teacher, got married, was blessed with a son. So do not give up prayers. Trust in the Lord. Take him at his word. The best way to pray is to say, the best way to lead the Holy Spirit, by the way. But if you want to talk to God, tell him, Father, you said, you said you will never leave me nor forsake me. Therefore, I'm asking you to make sure that I feel that you're here in this situation. You told me when I go through the valley of the, you said it, therefore I'm praying that solve this situation. It's, if a son comes to you or your daughter comes to you and says, Dad, you said, especially if you made the promise, it's powerful, isn't it? Yeah. It's powerful, unless you're, you're not a, <laughs> a liar, <laughs> a son of the devil. But it's powerful when someone yeah. comes to you, you said, yeah. on your word, I am asking. Yeah. And God will answer the prayer. So let's take him at his word. Let's trust him. However long your situation takes, he is faithful. May God bless you. Wonderful. Wonderful.